And I just thought, you know, it's worth the risk. So I did it, and I, I have to say that I am grateful every single day of my life that I moved up here because it has offered all the things I loved. And to get to even more of what we're going to talk about today, I have discovered a music community and an outlet for my music that I didn't even dream yeah. existed. Welcome back. Welcome back to CCM Podcast. I cannot wait to delve into all the things we're going to discuss here in episode 12. Hey, hey, I told you guys we'd be uh, doing some new stuff. And here we go. This entire podcast is going to rhyme. No, that's impossible. That's that's going to end right now. Podcast over. No. Anyway, uh, yeah, this is the CCM Podcast. And uh, I hope that today, as in all of our episodes, you get to discover a new uh, artists that you've never heard before. Maybe they'll become one of your new favorites. So uh, before I introduce myself, today's guest, he is uh, my long lost brother. Um, he's a very multifaceted singer, songwriter and composer. His name is Douglas Romaine. Say hello, Douglas. Hello. Yeah. Welcome on. Thank you. It's good um, to be here. So the, the long lost brother thing, it's an inside joke. I'm going to explain in a minute after I tell you a little bit more about this podcast. So uh, CCM Podcast, that's short for Central Coast Music. Um, so all the artists we have uh, on the podcast are people who are either active in the Central Coast. Maybe they don't quite live here, but they're playing shows here and they're part of the community. Um, Douglas does live here. Um, so yeah, Central Coast Music, uh, local songwriters. Um, so the reason that Douglas is my long lost brother. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, I've already planned on before Douglas leaves, we're going to take a picture because <laughs> I was talking to Douglas is playing on stage one, one night and, uh, the lady sitting next to me asked me, is that your brother? And I realized, wait a second, our hair is the same length. We both have a beard. If I was taller, had a stronger chin and was better looking, it would be just like we were brothers. Uh, <laughs> so I think we'll take a picture and post it on the, the Facebook page, uh, once, once we leave here anyway. <laughs> so, funny. yeah. So, uh, I have to ask you this question, um, or else the podcast can't go on. How was your drive into the, the place? Today? My drive in was very pleasant. I, I had been forewarned from some of your other guests that it could be treacherous or eventful, but it, it was beautiful. And it's beautiful country out here. Um, I took the stagecoach until the road got too narrow, and then I took the pack mule. Ah, yes. And then once the path got too narrow, there was a walking stick waiting for me. <laughs> I came over the hill, and it was great. Yeah, that's all part of the info I send each guest. Yeah. I say, all right, once the stagecoach is done, stage, stage, <laughs> stagecoach. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, and you didn't catch dysentery on the journey either. I, well, yeah. We won't know yet. I, 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 I won't know for a couple yeah. of hours, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it won't be like me. The last time I decided, maybe not the last time, but I, I decided one time to go trim all the overhanging uh, branches on oh. that dirt road because it is pretty narrow and yeah. you, I basically have to do a slalom course to avoid the, the branches. Okay. And I found out uh, about three days after I had went and trimmed all of those leaves that it was mostly poison oak. Oh, no. Uh, and I found out because my arms were covered in uh -huh. disgusting, horrible, uh, 
borderline painful, irritating yeah. sores. So, yeah. um, the, and that was in the middle of harvest last year where I was working uh, manual labor getting, yeah, it was, it was bad timing, but wow. now I know. Welcome so, to the country. So hopefully your walking stick was not laying in a pile of poison oak. No, it was resting against that gate and, uh. That was good. I'm, I I was glad I did not meet a logging truck coming the opposite direction because <laughs> that would have been trouble. Yeah, yeah. That's the problem is you run it. If if there's a car coming the other way, yeah, you I guys got to be like, all right, who gets to go in reverse what do you now? Do? I mean, especially if you come around a corner, I, I I would I don't know. I imagine there's a lot of head-on collisions around here. But I, it's actually really funny. <laughs> I love this. Um, this is a classic husband move here. So okay. we're uh, we had just moved here. You know, we maybe hadn't even been here for a month, and we're—I'm driving out. Nadia's in the car, and she had told me multiple times before, "You're going too fast on this road." And I'm like, "There's nobody out here. Like nobody lives here. I'm not going to run into somebody." So, so we're going uphill on the dirt road, uh, and we come around a corner. Here's a car coming downhill. So I hit the brakes, and I actually do stop, but the other car doesn't because they're coming downhill. Oh, and we had like a three-mile-an-hour collision. So <laughs> neither of our cars had any marks. But it was okay. that moment where I was like, oh, I guess if I was going slower, we both would have had more time to stop. <laughs> yeah. Well. So the wife. You got to listen sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, cool. So, all right. Uh, as usual, we're going to hear two songs. Um, now, before we, we keep going, I think I asked you this last time, but do you go normally by Douglas, Doug? Um, I usually go by Douglas. Okay. Um, I know it's it takes more effort to say two syllables so than difficult. one. Yes. Um, I just found that that one syllable gets lost. It gets lost in the throat. Ah. And then people don't know what I just said. <laughs> if I say Doug, they're like, Chuck? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Don? Yeah. John? Funny. I've been called all kinds of things. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, my really good friends, I suppose, can call me Dougie, but... Um, I wouldn't. I'm not going to put myself there no, yet. No. I haven't that's earned... A really, that's a really small number of people. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have not earned... It takes the, years. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> this is the obligatory... Uh, every episode, I need to make a hockey comment. So there was a... Uh, okay. A four, like a European hockey player named uh, Douglas Murray, and he played for the Penguins. And he did not want to be called Doug because in his either in his accent or his language, it sounded like dog. Yeah. And I don't know, that must have been a big insult. And it was like, yeah. do not call me Doug Murray. Yeah. I am Douglas Murray. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're not, you're not well, the first. The other thing, and I'll, I don't want to take up too much time, but I, I, a few years ago, I began to notice watching movies and television. Here's something your listeners might like to do just for fun when they're watching TV is the number of times the name Doug shows up as either a dorky character or a <laughs> dumb character or a laughable character. And the funny thing is I, I know a few Dougs in my life and none of them are anything like that. They, they're, most of them are very bright, intelligent, creative people. But for some reason, in the world of film and television, that has become shorthand for the dorky guy. That's funny. So just next time you're watching a movie or TV, just keep an Pay ear attention out to for who that Doug and is. see the next time you come across a character named yeah. Doug. And just see what kind of person that is. That's and funny. I, I think you'll likely find that it's 
Not the brightest bulb in the pack. Interesting. Yeah. Because uh, actually, yeah, the, when you say that, one of the first things I think of is that, isn't there a kid's cartoon, Doug? There is. Yeah. yeah. I never watched it, so I know nothing I haven't about. either. And, you know, he's not such a bad guy. And, and I don't mean <laughs> to say that these, the characters are negative. They're often very either funny or warm or thoughtful characters, um, but they just tend to be a little on the goofy side. Interesting. So, well, here's you have the platform now to to clear up the Doug name for I, the world. Well, you know, I don't know <laughs> if I can change Hollywood's mind about that. But. <laughs> oh, they listen. Hollywood listens. <laughs> I have stats. Okay, this is this is no little podcast here. Okay, no, I'm way overshooting my thing. So, um, yep. So Doug's gonna play two songs. Douglas. Wow. Look, I just went. We just talked about it for so it's long. Okay. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, he's gonna play two songs later, but uh, we'd like to learn about the history uh, and what you know, who makes him him. So let's do that. You ready? I think so. Cool. So uh, where were you born? I was born in upstate New York. Upstate New York. Yeah. I didn't see that one coming. Um, and, uh, so did you graduate high school there? Did the whole... I did. Yeah. I left there when I was 18 and slowly made my way across the country. I ended up in Michigan for a few years. Uh, I ended up in Chicago for a few years. And then I made my big move to LA in 99 and to follow my dream of being a film composer. Ah. So I went to USC, spent a year there at that program and then within a couple of years, I started getting work, scoring television and doing films. And, and that's, I know you're going to ask this question later, so I don't <laughs> want to jump ahead, but that, that is my day job, oh, so okay. to speak. Yeah. Cool. Well, there's no reason I can't ask you about it now, but I guess, I guess uh, okay, I'll ask you later. <laughs> okay. Teaser. Everyone has to keep listening. <laughs> you have to at least hear the first song. and then uh, Maybe. Um, <laughs> um, so that's actually funny. So this is proof that we are actually brothers separated at birth. Um, because I'm from the East. I lived in Chicago for a while and then I ended Did up you? in Southern California. When were you so, in Chicago? Uh, I'm pretty sure it was after you because I was in Chicago 05 to 07. Okay. So, that was after so me. So we missed each other, but yeah. Yeah. Not by much, but, <clears throat> uh, well, so we should chat afterwards about your favorite places. Yeah. Well, Ask was, you about your favorite pizza. Oh, here we go. Well, let's no, let's let's argue right now. You want to go into it now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. And I'll, so I've only had what three places there, okay. but um, all my my group of friends they introduced me to Luminati's, and I that know. became the standard. Yeah. So, um, however, and I'll let you put your two cents in in a moment. We just went to Chicago last weekend. Uh, so a week ago oh. today, we were walking around Chicago, and we went back to Luminati's and. Um, that, you know, it wasn't as good as I remembered for some reason. I have a clear memories of Giordano's. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a lot of Luminati, so we're going to have to try a new place next time. Yeah. So, that being said, what do you think? Well, I'm going to recommend that you try this place. And just for, for my history, I started at Gino's. That okay. was the first deep dish that's pizza. That's supposed to be the I original, right? Well, that's what people uh, okay. may think, but Let's I'm going to I'm going to tell you something that um, <laughs> will change your world. Uh, tried Giordano's, mm -hmm. but when I lived in Chicago, I was going to school there, uh, went to DePaul and University of Chicago, and I got a job waiting tables at a place called Pizzeria Due. Okay. Now, here's the real history for all you deep dish fans. <laughs> 
a block away from Pizzeria Due, which is on the corner of Wabash and I think it's Wabash and Ohio. Oh boy. It's been too long. <laughs> um, is Pizzeria Uno. And Pizzeria yeah. Uno actually was the first deep dish pizza okay. place in Chicago. Ike Sewell, who'd been in Italy, um, came back to Chicago in the 40s and wanted to make a pizza that was very unlike Italian pizza. Oh, yeah. Make it. it and, and the thing about deep dish, as you already know, but many people do not understand this, deep dish pizza is not a thick crust. People think, and I've gone to places out here, think, hey, we've got Chicago-style pizza, and the th crust is like two inches thick. That is not Chicago pizza. The yeah. crust is fairly thin. Maybe it's a just, quarter inch, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But the pan is deep, right. and so it's just filled it's with the shape. Goodness. It's like pie-shaped. Yeah. Yeah. So Ike opened Pizzeria Uno, and then four, five, six years later, he opened Pizzeria Due, and they're both in these old Victorian houses. They both sit on the corner. I think Uno's might be on Wabash in Ohio, but Tuez is just a block away. Anyway, I went there a couple times to eat. I needed a job to fill in, and so I started working there. And I think still to this day, Pizzeria Due Uno is the best deep dish pizza in Chicago. Uh, you said Due Uno. You're saying both? Well, they're the same pizza. Oh, okay. okay. They're the exact same pizza. Okay. He just... Two different locations. Gotcha, gotcha. So Uno was the first. Uno was the first. Due, Due is the second. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that's Italian for two. It's one and two for, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very. Now, there is a Pizzeria Uno. When I was working there, this corporation came in and bought it. Ike had passed away, and his widow sold it to this corporation from Boston. They started opening up Pizzeria Uno places around Chicago, in the suburbs, and then around the country. It is not the same pizza. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people came into the restaurant who said, yeah, I went to Pizzeria Uno out in Schaumburg, and it was nothing like this. I'm like, yeah. no, nah, it never is. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, well, next time we go, then, that's where Anyway, I didn't mean to divert onto pizza, but... That's all right. Hey, wherever guess, the conversation goes, that's You, you said would. earlier, you know, what makes him, you know, what makes you you? And you I go. have to say, pizza is a big part of what <laughs> makes me me. It has all my life. You are what you eat, so. And you are what you eat. And unfortunately, I've not had a Dewey's Pizza in a few years, but... Yeah. I will. Good to know. Great tip. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, there is one non-Chicago, how can I say this? There is a place not in Chicago that I have found to be authentic Chicago-style deep dish. Now, you lived in L.A., you said. Yeah. Correct? Well, it's in Orange County in Placentia. It's called Tony's Pizza. Okay. Um, Placentia's not a big town or anything. I mean, the same size as all the other Orange County towns, which is bigger than anywhere in Slow County, of course. But yeah, it's called Tony's Pizza, and uh, I would put it up there with any of those. Would you really? It's excellent. So okay. I don't know if you go down and visit often or whatever, but if, if you have time to go out to Placentia, which is probably an hour drive from downtown LA. Placentia. Placentia. It's like, it's by Fullerton, Brea, North Orange County okay. area. I don't get down to Orange County much. Okay. Yeah. So but, that was a pleasant surprise, Tony's Pizza. Okay. Very small mom-and-pop place. Right, um, right. And you, I told the guy after having his pizza once or twice, and, I, and he was there at the county, the counter, Tony himself, I yeah. said, hey, your pizza's awesome. I said, it's just like Chicago style. He goes, no, it's better. He goes, this is the best Chicago pizza in the world. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man. Hey, he's, he's buying his own thing, but I can't argue. It's really, really good. Did he have some connection to Chicago? Was he from there? Or? I think so, because there is there's there? Chicago stuff on the walls, Cubs stuff, and uh, I believe there is. Yeah. Okay. I, I can't fill in all the gaps for you. But yeah. Anyway, those of you, my old friends who still live in Orange County, uh, check it out, Tony's Pizza. 
And good price, too, compared to Chicago style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's how we'll wrap up the Chicago pizza conversation. Okay. <laughs> is uh, you can get authentic Chicago pizza because Luminati's, I believe, will send it to you on yes. dry ice. They will. So you can actually cook it in your oven at home. Yes. Um, pizza from Chicago, frozen. Yep. And the one time we tried doing that, our, uh, half, our oven, one of the elements stopped working. Oh. Only the top one was working. So guess what? The bottom, that oh. crust was just soggy and uncooked. Oh, it was that's such a, a bummer. Disappointment. It was a big disappointment. But to add to that, Pizzeria Due will ship you pizzas too. Okay, <clears throat> they'll yeah. ship you frozen pizzas. Very cool. So there yeah, you go. That's everybody. the last time I had it was, I had some shipped out to me. Nice. Yeah. yeah. It's not quite the same, but man, when you're jonesing for it, it's yeah. It's not a bad substitute. <laughs> cool. So you, yeah, you sort of filled in a little of your story. Chicago was college for you, which it also was for me. Um, so at what point? Um, well, I guess let's see. Let, let's bring you back to. Uh, let's let's see how you got to Slow County. So you did film composing in uh, Southern California, L.A. Yeah. So uh, at what point and what brought you up here to Slow County? I moved to Slow almost four years ago. I had been visiting the area for several years. Some friends from L.A. turned me on to the wineries and just the landscape. And I I kind of fell in love with it, even from the first time I came up and would make trips most most every year, every other year. And just always had a great time. It was such a nice change from L.A. It's beautiful. It's clean. At that time, anyway, there was far less traffic mm-hmm. than L.A. I mean, there's still less traffic than L.A., but yeah. it's getting busier. And I'd, I'd kind of had in the back of my mind, and, and maybe about six, seven years ago, I was up, and I thought, I wonder if there's a way I could live up here and still work in the business. And at that point, a lot of stuff I was doing was was starting to be basically remote work anyway. You know, when I started, the first job I had, I got hired for a TV show in 2002. And at that point, it was still a case where messengers would come and pick up my VHS preview tape. Um, They'd come by and pick up my, my, either my DAT uh, digital tapes or a CD with the files on them. It was still very hands-on kind of business. And of course, since then, it's everything's on a server. You can download, upload. You never have to actually see another human being. <laughs> True, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it 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 was feasible, and I just felt personally like I wanted to make a change and and have a better quality of life because after I'd been in LA for about 15 years or 16 years. And it just felt like it was, it was time to make a change. So I took the leap and I was a little cautious at first because, you know, how many times you've gone on vacation and thought, I want to live here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Classic <laughs> but, move. Yeah. But then I started thinking, well, if I do that, is it going to lose some luster and appeal? Is it going to be a place where, you know, I got to go to the DMV and I hit a <laughs> pothole and some jerk cuts me off and, you know, all those just little mundane right. annoyances of life start popping up that don't show up usually when you're on vacation. And I just thought, you know, it's worth the risk. So 
I did it. And I, I have to say that I am grateful every single day of my life that I moved up here because it has offered all the things I loved and, and to get to even more what we're going to talk about today, I have discovered a music community and an outlet for my music that I didn't even dream yeah. existed. So on top of the beauty and the clean air and all that stuff, this has become a place where this whole new avenue and chapter of my musical life has begun. So it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah. So yeah, what you said there is definitely some wisdom in that because you it's easy to get wrapped up in the uh, romanticism of a foreign land, right. you know, yeah. foreign land. But you know, somewhere you love and it's an escape for you. And yeah, and I think people, it's easy to forget that life will follow you. you yeah. Know. Um, yeah. And that's and something it, I've I've learned and written songs about is how I've moved across the country just like you and found out things are different, but they're also the same. Right. Exactly. You know, uh, the, the same, my habits, if they didn't change, then my life's going to be the same here right. as it was in the old place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is great. So you, you, you gave a great, uh, you know, that was a great marketing thing for slow County tourism. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but usually I'm the, uh, the slow County apologist or whatever you'd say, yeah. you know, the, the go, go, go. And yeah, what you said about the music community, I mean, I know you've listened to a few episodes, but almost everyone I've had on has said what you just said. Okay. And that's the, yeah. man, I was so shocked by how many musicians and songwriters uh, there were out here. Yeah. Um, and so I'm actually going to, I'm going to pull a devil's advocate real quick and say, um, the, the, all of this is true. Uh, and I've been happy to find places to play and met, met all kinds of people just like yourself and the, all the other people we've had on the podcast. My uh, my true like love musically is more harder, heavier music. Oh yeah, and yeah. that is something I have not found yet here. <laughs> I th I no. do not see a scene for that, and so I'm trying to find some like-minded people, which I've started to through the music community. Yeah, uh, here yeah. I'm going to quick shout out. Uh, so yeah, quick shout out Alvin Regina's uh, boyfriend. Oh yeah, right. and um, Damon Lord. We right. we started having discussions about forming a. Heavy, heavy okay. rock or potentially metal band. So okay. keep keep your ears peeled, listeners, because we're trying to make this happen. So all right, uh, we've even got the noise making garage right over there. Um, that okay, we can, you know. So keep your ears peeled right. and have your face peeled. Yeah, you're gonna get your yeah. face melted. Hopefully. Uh. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> now yeah, finally someone else who who does the bragging of Slow County, so I can actually bring in the other, uh, <laughs> the one small negative, but yeah, um, there, you know, it's certainly not LA and, and there are things that I miss a little bit, but I, I get back to LA about once a month. Okay. So I'm still connected and most of my work still comes out of there, you know, the studios or, and I have people there, friends there and things that I still go back to, but I don't want to live there. Yeah. I can, I can live with <clears throat> out some of those other things. Yeah. I, I know now every time I go down, I knew there was traffic and that's why I left, but I go back <laughs> down and I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm just entering LA County and I'm already going 20 miles an hour yep. on a five lane freeway. Come on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so actually, anyhow, so while we're, yeah, while we're on the topic, I was going to move on, but Hey, we're, we're sharing personal experiences here. So, um, it was kind of weird when I moved, when I, when I just moved up here last year, as I've said a million times on this podcast. Um, but, uh, and I'd wanted to move here for about 10 years. Um, oh, really? Yeah. 
And it was almost like I needed a detox period because the first two months, like, of course it's beautiful. I've wanted to live here, but it was, I was seeing it and it was not penetrating my soul. I was, uh, it was a strange experience because normally I'd come up here and it's a breath of fresh air, actually quite literally fresh air. Yes. Yes. Literally. (laughs) Um, And, uh, the first two months I lived here, it just wasn't soaking in. And I don't know, Hmm. it like started to, I don't know, the, I detoxed my, my LA fast paced and it started to soak in and then fall came and leaves changed. And I didn't expect that. Yeah. It's like, wait a second, leaves are changing. (laughs) Um, yeah. And so it's sort of getting better. And it's funny because now I'm in the wine industry, but it's, it's like getting better with time for me now yeah. living in the central coast. It's, it seems to continue getting better yeah. and more charming and more beautiful. So yeah. there's some magic going on around here. I've heard you refer to it as that magical <laughs> land between LA and yeah. San Francisco. That nobody and, knows about it. That's part of what makes it cool too. Is yeah. that it's unknown. And in a way you kind of hope not too many people find out about it. Right. Cause you want it yeah, to let's, retain. Let's end the but, podcast here. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're out of here. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. No, but I'm I'm very grateful for it, and I I I keep discovering new wonderful things about it. So it changes certainly. I mean, it's it's like a relationship. You know, you meet someone for the first time, and they're beautiful and amazing, and then you get to know them, and they're still beautiful and amazing. You just come to know them in a different way, and it's right. a richer way. Mm-hmm. And and I think that happens with this place too. Cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. Hey, it's uh, we're at the 25 minute mark. Um, haven't wow. talked any music almost at all. <laughs> we haven't. Um, so let's go. This, this is how the format's starting to go now as we, we get on, you know, on the person that we're talking to, which is kind of the whole point. Um, so why don't we hear a song here and then we okay. can dive into uh, your music background and, all right. and stuff. So give us a moment, everybody. All right. Douglas Romain's about to play the first song of the podcast. So. Uh, set up the song real quick, man. Okay. This song is called The Stories We Tell. And it started out as just a title. I have a I have a whiteboard in my room. I have titles of songs that I want to do. And this sat on my board for two or three months. And I just, I wanted to write a song with that title in it. And originally it was going to be a song about religion. Um, as I've gone through life, I just realized that all these different cultures, we have all these different stories that we tell about life and what it means but then I got smart and I thought let's write about life and the stories that we tell children and young people and old people and so this is kind of a a journey through life kind of song the stories we tell Still linger long after you hear the first 
of the stories we tell Courage, my child, look up to the stars And welcome the light you're becoming Your soul will unfold and you'll know who you are through all the confusion and fumbling Whispers of wisdom resound in your dreams The loudest of doubts cannot quell Tomorrow is not quite as far as it seems And it's yours in the stories we tell Comfort my brother, now don't you despair Though grief never offers consoling Sorrow and joy always come as a pair To share in the tears that start rolling Loneliness lands like a stone in your mind of the love you once held But love is never in vain And it comes round in time You will find in the stories we tell Now my friend, there is no call for fear The hands on the clock are just slowing Cares that once clouded your eyes start to clear As a door on this journey is closing May you arrive in that sweet by and by to a promise that all will be well Knowing you've written a page in this life We recite in the stories we tell Know you have written a page in this life in the stories we tell
Thank you, Douglas. That was a beautiful song. Um, one thing, uh, when I introduced you at the beginning of the podcast, I, you made sure to use the word multifaceted um, <laughs> because that was not the first side of you that I saw, the, the one that that song was. Uh-huh. The first time I saw you, you said uh, you, your voice wasn't at its peak, so you're going to play whiskey drinking blues songs. And <laughs> your, right. your song that always gets the crowd going, Commander in Cheat, yeah. you played that one. And then, right. then I saw you with Cello Bob the next time. Right. Um, and you, I'm pretty sure you played that song. I don't know if you remember. Was it Morbay Wine Cellar? Right. Uh, I'm pretty sure that song was in there because it sounded familiar to me. Um, um, I'm trying to think what I did with Bob that time. Yeah. But anyway, it was, it was it like, was, wow, this is yeah, the same guy and this is very different music. And that's one thing I really uh, appreciate because I... Um, yeah, it's just cool when when you think one person is this, and then you find out you know that person's not so one dimensional. Uh, right. There's more to this person, so that's why I'm excited to start talking to you about music and stuff. Um, I've permanently moved this question to after your first song because I forget too many times. So tell me about the guitar that uh, you just played on. I see it's a Martin. It's a Martin. I got that just over a year ago. It's still a baby. It's still a baby, <laughs> and as some people like to say, this is the worst it will ever sound. Oh yeah. Because uh, they a good instrument ages and mellows and gets Develops, better, and yeah. I found that even last year it sounds better. It's it's hmm. starting to loosen up. Yeah. You know, it's really tight for a while, but it's starting to loosen. I'd been looking at Martins for a couple of years. I'd been playing them up here, and then also when I had get back to L.A. and Santa Monica, I go to McCabe's Guitar Shop. Oh, okay, on Pico. Never been. I didn't. You know, I didn't know when I'd be able to get a nice guitar. It just kind of was a dream, and I thought I should start playing and find out what I like. Yeah. So when the time comes, I'm I'm ready. So I came across this one. Uh, it's a GPC 28, so it's a it's the 28 series, but it's a grand performance body with a cutaway. And like most people will tell, you play that guitar, and it's like, aha, you found it. This is it. I like the way this one feels. I like the way it sounds. I think we can make music together. <laughs> so we do. Yeah, you do. So how many, uh, are there some songs you've written on this guitar in the last year? Yes, there absolutely are. I I got it in July of 2018. And so everything I've written since then, most everything I've written, there have been a couple of piano things, but every guitar song has been written on that guitar. Yeah. Ballpark, how many were talking, you think? Um, in the last year and a month, it's somewhere around 10 or 11 okay. songs. That's a pretty good pace. Well, there's a good reason for that, and it has nothing to do with me or my uh, discipline. <laughs> <laughs> it has to do with, uh, I joined a songwriters group up here, It'll be two years next month. And that group, it's a small group, but we meet generally once a month and we come up with a topic or a word Mm -hmm. that we're going to write a song about. And then the next month we get together and we perform that for the rest of the group. And that has been the best possible thing for me. Nice. Because not only is it a challenge to write a song about something that you'd never thought of before, but you have to come back and show up and have something. That's right. And play it for people who know what they're doing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's not just an appreciative audience of wine drinkers who go, Oh, that's lovely. It's, yes. (laughs) It's other songwriters. Yeah. And, and so there's a little bit of fear 
involved in that. But I, I, I hear so many times other songwriters talk about, I've got this notebook of songs that I haven't finished and I, I started writing six years ago and hey, stop done. talking about me. All right. <laughs> I, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't mean you Cut it out, man. <laughs> but thankfully that, that is not my issue. Um, there, there are a, maybe a handful of lyrics that I've started that I'm not ready to write yet. But when it comes to writing a song and getting an idea, whether it's an assignment from the group or just something that comes up in my life, I get to work on it. And most of the songs I've written, by far, the majority of songs I've written in the last two years have come out of that group. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that's that's about a one a month pace. It's about once a month. Yeah. Um, I've had some months where I haven't written a song. And there have been other months, one fantastic month, I started and or finished four songs yeah. in the space of 30 days. There you go. That was, that was a very yeah. exciting period. And they were all kind of different too. But that discipline and that accountability is the most helpful thing for right. any songwriter. Knowing you have to show up and have something to yeah. play. Yeah. yeah. Which, which is actually exactly why I just told... Steve Key, hey, sign me up for some more uh, gigs. Yeah. Because I do this podcast pretty often, which is all other people's music, which, you know, I'm here to to help support the community. But right. I realize my stuff gets pushed to the back burner. Oh, so okay. I said, Steve, I need some gigs. <laughs> yeah. And that keeps me playing my songs and coming up with new stuff and yep. honing. So, yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Um, was that Donna's songwriting? Circle? No, this okay. is, uh, it's called Creative Songwriters Collective. And it was started by, I think, four four friends in the area th- th- who were friends themselves. And I, I met uh, the Kristen Black Band. I don't know if you've ever encountered it. Kristen has moved out of the area now. She lives in Nashville. Okay. And I think she still has the Kristen Black Band. But she was playing at the Slow Farmer's Market one night. And I heard them, and I thought, wow, this is really good. So I had a chat with her afterward, and told her a little bit about me and she told me a little about her and she said, Hey, we just started the songwriting circle. You should come. And I said, yes. Okay. I'll come. <laughs> the thing about it though, was at that point in my life, this was two years ago, I had not written a song in probably a decade. Oh boy. It just was not part of my musical life. I'd done it when I was much younger, but my focus had been for the last several years on film and writing instrumental right, and orchestral okay. and arranging and all that sort of thing, which I still do. But I said yes, because I was at that point in my life where I thought I need to say yes. I need to open up and allow new things to come in. And I walked away from the conversation. I went, wait a second, what did I get myself into? <laughs> but I went home and that very night I came up with a song that I ended up being the song I presented to the group. And like I said, that, that regular accountability is what got me started. And now it's, I think I'm close to 30 songs that I've written in the last two years. Two years. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great. Well, you're making me want to join because Donna, the first time, one of the first few times I met Donna Wolf, um, shout out Donna Wolf. Um, Mm -hmm. she, she, um, 
told me that she had one. I don't remember if she formally invited me, but it was one of those, hey, you should come. Check yeah. Out. And I've never followed up with her on it. So, uh, but you're selling me on this idea. So, yes. <laughs> and, and the great thing about what she does is it, it's more, it's more focused on, on songs that maybe aren't quite completed ah. and getting input. The, the other group, the Creative Songwriters Collective, it's, there's not so much sitting down and going through and, and, and critiquing or criticizing or constructing and working on the song, uh, which is fine. I mean, that there's a, there's a great place for that. Uh, the other group is more about, okay, what, what are some suggestions here? How can we okay. make this better? How could we yeah. shape this verse and move into the chorus? And, and that's been really helpful too, because I, you know, I, I've had songs that just, I'm not sure what to do next. And to get other songwriters input on that is fantastic. Yeah. I can so, think of one song right now that I, I need that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, for those out, out in podcast world who are looking for that, it, there, there are groups around certainly in the central coast. And if you don't find one that works for you, start your own, even just, you know, one, one-on-one with some other songwriter of saying, yeah. Hey, I want to, work on stuff. So let's meet next month or next week and just see how we're doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And what you just said reminded me of something I've been thinking about for a few months now. Um, and that is actually, you know, one of the, one of the things that about this podcast that, um, and about podcasts in general, because now podcasts are obviously mainstream. I mean, everyone knows about podcasts, you know, is that one thing that makes them so, uh, I think a reason people enjoy listening to them is because, we actually, like me and you today, we cut out two hours of our day to sit down and have a conversation about some mutual interests, you know, and learn about yeah, each other. Right. And how often do we actually do that, right? How often do we actually make a plan with someone, hey, let's sit down uh, and do this and learn and discuss ideas, Yeah, you know? And so that's the, you know, sure, we record it and people listen to it and get to promote your music. But part of it is just just make the time right. with somebody, uh Obviously, this is bigger picture than music, you know. Um, you can do this in anything. But right. Yeah. So, cool. All right. So, we've talked lots about your current um, songwriting. So, let's just get some some history. So, just tell me about the beginning of music in your life. Uh, when, what state were you in? Uh, <laughs> what, uh, yeah, how old were you? What, what, was, what was it like? I was in a New York state of mind. <laughs> but don't. <laughs> Billy Joel. Um, I think the, well, I grew up in a musical family. Music was all around me. I have two sisters, two older sisters. And my mom is also very musical. And so I grew up hearing it, being surrounded by it. But I think the first time I participated in it, I was four years old. And either for my birthday or Christmas, I can't recall which, I got a drum. A drum. A, a, a toy snare drum. Oh, yeah. And the reason I got it was because prior to that, I would get out a box and I would beat on a cardboard oh, yeah? box. But I here's the thing. I would do this while my sisters were practicing the piano. Both of them played piano. Older sisters, I imagine. Older, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're a decade and more oh, well, older than I am. You're the baby. I was the baby, yeah. And they were they were, you know, very accomplished. My my big sister, my oldest sister, went on and professionally 
uh, became a pianist. And so they were playing Brahms and Chopin and Rachmaninoff and Mozart. And I would sit on the couch behind them and I would bang on my drum. Now, looking back on that, how I was not sent off to boarding school <laughs> or just disappeared. Have a stork deliver you to another family or something. I, I don't know. It's a testament to their sainthood and their patience that they put up with this little kid sitting there going whack, 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 whack while they're playing this beautiful music. And, but... I think you've missed your calling as a cowbell player. Well, <laughs> it, I think it was part of the reason, though, why when I got to fourth or fifth grade, I was not allowed to play the drums as my <laughs> instrument of choice. This is by, not allowed by your parents? By parents, your, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was partly that and partly because, you know, rock and roll was the devil's mouthpiece, ah. and, you know. But that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. But that's where it started, and... Whether my timing was good or not, I cannot imagine that was pleasant for them. But for me, I loved it. And then when I was five, my big sister gave me piano lessons. Okay. So I started out with that. I started to read, started to you know, play and count and all that stuff. And then around seven or eight, my mom, I got interested in, in guitar. My mom would play the guitar once in a while. Okay. She played mandolin, accordion as well. And she didn't do it very often, but once in a while she would get the guitar out and play some songs and mostly the stuff she grew up with, which was old country and Western, some gospel. And I remember around that age of seven or eight, just being mesmerized by all the sound that's coming out of this instrument. And it looked fairly simple, <laughs> you know? So one day she said, okay, here's my guitar here's some chords and she would write out some chord diagrams. She'd write out some lyric sheets of songs that she played and that I knew and write the chords down. And she kind of more or less sent me off to just go work at it. And yeah. I did. And of course at first it sounded awful and my fingers hurt and, yeah. but I kept at it and I got my calluses. And so I was probably eight when I started playing guitar and singing okay. church and school and family things. And I loved that for a while. And then I lost interest probably around 10 or 11. Hmm. I started trumpet in school and I played trumpet all the way through school, all the way till uh, graduation. But it was when I hit my teenage years, around 14, that I got the urge to start writing a song. Oh, okay. So I pulled the guitar back out and you know, three chord songs, stupid, silly, goofy stuff, but I was having fun. And, and then when I was 15, I went away to summer camp and I met a girl and fell head over heels. So then I started writing just God awful love songs. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, when she went away to college, I wrote God awful heartbreak songs and, um, you know, just typical stuff. You know. I'm laughing this way because all of these are things that I did too. Yeah. Like, okay, when you were 14 and starting to write songs, you said about stupid stuff. Yeah. Can you remember what one of those songs was about? Can you remember yeah. one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the first songs I wrote was called Pickin' Rocks. And it was really short, but it was it was a work song. Okay. Because we moved. My parents had a house built 
and it was beautiful. It reminds me a little bit of where we are right now. Oh, okay. it, was, it was on a dirt road, upstate New York, farmland, converted cow pasture. Oh, wow. So it was full of rocks that would have just chewed up a lawnmower blade. So my job that summer was to go out with a shovel and a pickaxe and a wheelbarrow and pull up all the rocks wow. that were protruding out of the ground. And some of them were only protruding a little bit, but but they went down. I had to dig them out yeah. and we built a, a stone wall from them. So, you know, it wasn't horrible labor, but I, I wrote a song called Pickin' Rocks. That was, that <laughs> nice. was my first. Yeah. And, I, and what I thought of when you said that is I wrote a song about my favorite fish we had a fish tank, uh-huh. my favorite fish dying and having to flush it down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> now, was it elegiac or was it kind of fun or? Oh, no, definitely sad, dramatic, yeah, okay. which is not that different than uh, what I write today. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a great transition because um, I'm curious about some of your early influences because you said rock and roll with the devil. Um, and I partially relate. My parents didn't really believe that, but the school and church they had us in at the time did. And so my parents, I think, I think they were convinced for a few years in my very young years to stop listening to all the classic rock and old music that, uh, that they grew up on. But they loved it. Oh, they they did. Yeah. So I, growing up, I listened to a lot of crappy Christian music, some, some good stuff and a lot of crappy stuff. And so I always wonder what would it have been like if I could have listened to that music my parents enjoyed. I know. Anyway, so I'm very curious with you, what kind of stuff, uh, what kind of music were you? Well, I guess I'm a little self-conscious about it that I don't have any cool stories to tell growing up and listening to Led Zeppelin. Yeah. You know, I, I don't because my dad never sat me down and had that talk, you know, about son, here's an electric guitar. Here's an amp. The guitar wants to be plugged into the amp. (laughs) And when you strum the guitar, it excites the strings and it comes out of the amp. And here's Pink Floyd's The Wall. (laughs) Go have fun. (laughs) That never happened. It was, it was, any pop music was from the Christian world. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it wasn't very good. And what, yeah, so what, if you don't mind, like what decade are we talking? What, what period of Christian pop are we talking here this is this is like on the cusp of i remember somebody introducing me to amy grant oh yeah okay um and that was a little different and she was actually talented and had decent songs i I think think. so yeah (laughs) I, i couldn't tell you what album it was or what songs they were okay um just trying to get an idea kind of start but you know what's interesting to me is because I, I grew up hearing classical music and then there were recordings too. My mom loves classical music and had recordings. So I grew up with that being in my head. And then my mom loved the country and Western, the folk, the simple Roy Acuff and mm-hmm. Carter family and that sort of thing. I find today that, especially when it comes to the work that I do in film, those two things are a huge part of my voice of yeah. the things that I am drawn to. I love the, the elegance, sometimes the sophistication of orchestral concert music, but I also feel strong pull toward simple folk yeah. music kind and of the Irish and the right? Scottish. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm actually 
grateful. I, I'm not that self-conscious. I mean, part of me wishes I'd grown up, you know, doing licks and stuff and being a cool kid, but, um, it's okay. You know, that's my life and I'm grateful for it. And I'm grateful for the fact that I grew up around people who love music as much as they do. So it probably wasn't until I heard, uh, I remember hearing Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, uh, Billy Joel, who I mentioned yeah. before, um, more singer songwriters than bands, I think is what I turned into. And the thing also, because of, I think how I grew up, the thing that most attracted me about pop music was the music that integrated rhythm section with string sections. Okay. You know, some of that stuff and probably more of it from the seventies than the eighties, because that was happening then I got really turned on by stuff, you know, Elton John and there'd be a string section. Electric light orchestra. Uh, yellow, yeah. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. That was the m most attractive pop music that I encountered in those years. And again, I think it's because I was kind of geared for that kind of sound. Cool. <laughs> um, no, so that's yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, one thing that I enjoyed about you is the 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 multifaceted part. And so that's interesting. The classical. I mean, classical and, and I guess you could consider the country Western that's most people wouldn't call it pop, but if you're dividing into large categories, it's not classical. So it's not, and the know. country Western my mom played is not pop. It's, yeah. it's not Trisha Yearwood. You would or, not. Yeah. You wouldn't call it pop, especially the way today's country no. is, but it's uh, those two, those are two different worlds, two different approaches yeah. to making music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that actually does explain a little bit. Yeah. It does kind of shed some light on where all the different, and then we haven't yeah. even heard any of your film compositions. Um, no. so then let's talk about that, shall we? So, sure. um, you, you gave us the, the tease earlier. It is your day job and you did that in LA. So I don't know. Um, mm. I haven't talked to many film composers, so I'm not sure where to start, but anything tell, like, just tell us about that. Well, I got turned on to it in my twenties and as I've alluded to, I grew up in a community in a home where certain things were just wrong. <laughs> yeah. And going to the movies was one of those things. Really? Yeah. We Bummer. could not go to the movies. Um, I, I ended up seeing movies and my big sister took me to see movies. <laughs> so I eventually got to it. And, and just as my mother predicted, I got hooked. I got uh -huh. hooked yeah. on the movies. <laughs> And in time, I, I began paying attention to the music. The first, the first soundtrack album I ever got was E.T., okay. The Extraterrestrial by John Williams. To this day is probably maybe the most favorite film score I've ever heard. Um, it's in my well, top John three. Williams, I mean. Yeah. Go down the list of his. Uh... Yes. <laughs> and... So I started noticing, and, and the other thing that I didn't mention before, but also during high school when I started writing these goofy songs, I started getting theory lessons, first from my sister and then in high school. And I was given the opportunity in high school to write a piece for our pops orchestra, which was a, you know, an array of strings and brass and winds and percussion and all that. So along with the three, three chord songs that I was writing, I was also starting to write for the orchestra. Oh yeah. Okay. So 
that was in my head. That was kind of an outlet for me and something I really enjoyed. And so it made sense that when I started paying attention to film music in my 20s, I was already prepared yeah. for that. You had the foundation. To, and, yeah. and I started noticing how powerful music could be in telling a story, helping tell a story. And so that's where my passion started being directed. And I started reading and buying soundtrack albums. And I knew that eventually I wanted to be in L.A. because that's where you had to be. Yeah. And I came across the USC film scoring program. And I really wanted to do that. And in time, I did. I, I was in Chicago for a while. I went to DePaul and did music study there. But it was Chicago where I started getting opportunities to score movies. I got my first job was a student film at Columbia College. Yeah. And then I, in time, I got to do some documentaries uh, for a guy named Bill Curtis for A&E and PBS. And then in 99, I went to L.A., went to school and in time started getting hired to do what I really wanted to do. Yeah. Um. So uh, now you still do that here. You've moved up. We sort of. I still have my feet in that world. Yes, um, it's it's not just composing. There are all, many many jobs surrounding music for film and television, and I've tried not to stray too far away from actual writing. But I have I've been involved in arranging and orchestrating. I do what we call mock-ups for other composers, which is creating a demo of their score before okay. it's recorded by the yeah. live orchestra. So they can, yeah, so they can start putting scenes together. They can start to get a sense of what they're going to get. Yeah. And it's, it's a big time saver. It's a big money saver. And it's become, especially for the bigger studios, and well, for everybody really, but for the big studios that are going to spend four, six, eight, ten days in London or L.A. recording a 90-piece orchestra, they want to know every note that's yeah. going to be in their picture. And then, of course, they can make creative decisions, too. The director can say, well, let's start this theme there, or let's make this bigger, let's make this more quiet. And they can only do that because they have a recording that I've created with samplers and the computer and they can know exactly, that's where the horns come in, that the violins are going to do this thing, yeah. and then percussion's going to hit really loud here. And it's, it's not as much of a creative outlet for me, but I've had some pretty amazing opportunities to work with very talented people. Some people who I you know, have admired since I was young, and... I'm going to let you stop being humble. Tell, give us some names. <laughs> I give you permission. Okay. Yes. Yeah, some of my close friends are like, you got to stop being so shy about what you do. Um, some of the highlights, uh, the most recent one was I, I did mock-ups and demos for Mark Shaman on Mary Poppins Returns. Okay. Came out just last Christmas. Um, I've, I've known of Mark's work for many years. I think he's a fantastic composer for film. He also does a lot of Broadway. And I got to spend about a year and a half working with him and his team and his orchestrators. Uh, a few years ago, I got a chance to work with a composer named Alan Silvestri. Who, the name sounds familiar, but yes. you're going to probably tell me why I know that name. 
Alan has done a lot of very famous films. He's worked almost, not exclusively, but um, very closely with Robert Zemeckis on films like Romancing the Stone, the Back to the Future series, um, Castaway. I don't okay, know. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of films that Robert's done. Um, Alan has done those, but the how I got involved with Alan was on the first Captain America movie, oh, Captain nice. America, the first Avenger. Yeah. So I started doing mock-ups with Alan of his sketches for that movie. And then he had me back on the first Avengers movie, Avengers awesome. Assemble. Yeah. Got to do that. And then we did The Crudes, which is a animated film, kind of a family film, a caveman family. Okay. And that was a lot of fun. And I worked with Alan on the Cosmos series as well, uh, which was uh, uh, for television, National Geographic, okay, yeah. about uh, outer space. Yeah. Uh, so those are really fun and, you know, name dropping opportunities. <laughs> yeah. No, well, <laughs> but yeah. more than that, it's, you know, it's the thing about the show business and all that is the people who are really doing the work, who are really good, it's really not so much about the fluff it's about people who have worked really hard to get where they are and who are there for a reason um That's, and i've just yeah. been thrilled to to work with people like alan and mark uh, i've worked on some of the other disney films lately too i worked on pete's dragon which okay. came out a couple of years ago uh, with a composer named daniel hart i worked on beauty and the beast i worked on aladdin Okay, yeah. And so you're talking about the newer ones? Or the, new, the, the remakes, yeah. yes, yes, well, the yeah, live-action remakes. I had to do the math there, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Disney's just going to remake. They're going to start The Little Mermaid course, later yeah. this year. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, and Rob Marshall's going to direct. Rob Marshall's the director on Mary Poppins Returns. Okay. And Rob is, is just so very talented, especially when it comes to musicals. Mm. He, he was the director of Chicago, okay. directed Memoirs of a Geisha, um, and many others too. Yeah. That to me has been the thrill of the last several years is getting to work on a daily basis with people who are so good. And, and these are good people too. I mean, these people are respectful and appreciative of, of what I do. Good people to work with is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been my dream. I mean, years ago, what I put out into the universe was I want to work on things that I can be proud of, and I want to work with people I enjoy being around, regardless yeah. of how successful, quote unquote, I may be or how much money is involved. Um, that's that's my heart's desire, and it's it's come. That's great. Um, yeah, and just to uh, so I've I've it's funny you said. Uh, your first one, you did a student film in college, or not yeah. in college, for college? It was, was it? a Columbia College student yeah. from Chile. Okay. And, yeah, I was, I was actually taking lessons at the time. I was taking composition lessons with this gentleman named Alex. Alex, uh, not Alex. Um, Alex is his son. Mm -hmm. um, Hans Vermin. It was Hans was my oh, teacher. Oh, okay. And, you know... Most people say Wurman, but he was from he was from Austria, so it was okay. Vermin. Oh yeah, Hans Vermin, just like Hans Zimmer, just like Hans Zimmer, who I have the Blu-ray of his live. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but 
We can no, talk about that later. I haven't. It's no. stunning. <laughs> um, but he was he got hired to work on the student film. And the, the reason I say Alex is his son, Alex Werman, is a film composer in okay. Los Angeles. And Alex has done several things. If you wanted to look him up on IMDb, you would see. Um, but his dad, who I was studying with, started the student film. And I thought at the time, wow, this will be fun. I can kind of look over his shoulder and see how it's done. Because I hadn't done it yet. Yeah. I just thought I wanted to. And one day he calls me up and he says would you like to score the rest of this film? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I have this habit of saying yes to things that I don't know how Throw to do yourself yet. in there, man. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah. So he handed me that, and that was my first scoring assignment, and I absolutely loved it. I yeah. was over the moon. And that was the start, and I, I really did. It, it, I, it hooked me. Yeah. I can honestly say, and... Admit to my mom, yes, I am addicted to the movies, <laughs> just like she yeah. warned. Yeah. And and I couldn't be happier. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, we really are long-lost brothers because in, when I was in college, our, our college did a film, and I they asked me to do the music oh, for really? it. Oh, really? Me and somebody else. Oh, cool. And that was the first time I did it. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of what I did. Uh, the movie sucks. You know, there are times that I think the music does not fit and, you know, anyway, yeah. it was a whole experience. But I wish everybody at some point, like, you know, it's no secret that music can make a movie, you know, or I don't know if that's exaggerating, but music is a huge part of it is. the mood and the impact of a movie. It um, has so much to do with the emotional impact yeah. of the story. I wish everyone had yeah. the chance to have a scene to edit and have to find the music for that scene, <laughs> like I have, because it, it's, it's so hard to find the one that gives you that it's just right. And so the value of someone who's able to compose um something that uh that fits and pushes the story forward as it's yes. intended. It's yeah. just it's a specific skill that's really important and really impressive. Uh so I just wanted to praise your skill set uh, there. Thank it's, you. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um okay. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where to go from here because I think we might have to to have you back. Uh, I'm like, we're not even halfway through the questions I wanted to ask. Oh, really? So, I've um, been going on too much. Oh, it's great. Um, mm. So, <laughs> uh, shorter answers, please. Oh, it's all right. Literally, you <laughs> should just come back with Donna next time. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, it's been a great discussion. Yeah, we're at the hour something mark here, and I still have about 20 questions I'd like to ask. So, there's going to be a, a repeat episode at some point here. Um, so. I think it's time for the second song. Is that cool with you? That's cool with me. All right, let's yes. do it. Okay. All right, Douglas is going to play a second song um, before he goes. So go ahead, Douglas, set it up for us. Okay. This song, we talked earlier about uh, being part of songwriting groups. And this is a song that came out of that. The uh, word for the month was Mercury, which is has so many possibilities. But I love astronomy, so I went astronomical. Mm -hmm. And this song is called Around Your Sun. I've 
travel light years where I used to be Left behind the only life I'd known Emptiness expanding as far as I can see Solitude is where I make my home Dust and distance in between Drifting in this vacuum I had almost given up Your eyes are the kindest lights I've seen I'm waiting for someone to come and save me Not asking you to mend this wounded soul Strong attraction Push me even deeper into space Now there's no better course I can imagine Than circling in orbit round your face Not waiting for someone to come and save me Not asking you to this wounded soul But when I see you smile I think that maybe It's time to finally come in from the cold Tumbling through the darkness isn't frightening As long as I am not the only one And I can feel since pull me closer And I'll be Mercury around your sun Around your As far as I can see Your eyes are the warmest lights that shone I'm not waiting for someone to come and save me 
sing harmonies on that song so <laughs> thank you for coming on Douglas. absolutely man thanks lots for having of fun me. so we got to make sure people can uh follow you and come see you live so tell us where they can do that i i'm i'm a little negligent in that department i don't have a website yet but you can find me on facebook douglas romaine r-o-m-a-y-n-e i'm on instagram not like the lettuce. as well not like the lettuce no <laughs> don't associate me with all that stuff that happened a few months ago <laughs> Uh, that's probably the the place to start, and I'll be I'll be developing other pages and posting gigs and shows and things like that. Um, there's a couple coming up that may not that will happen probably before you all hear this, but I do play at Assumption Ridge Tasting Room on a fairly regular basis. Which is where? Uh, that's in Paso, Twelfth Street downtown. Um, I also do some other showcases, Songwriters at Play, uh, Cassie Nichols does Pints on the Porch out in Cambria, Seed and Soul, doing that. And on September 15th at the Poor House, I'll be doing with my, my duo partner. I've been playing with a guitarist, Dan Ernst, who is one of the finest guitarists in the county. He plays with the JD Project. And he and I have been working up things together on my songs. In fact, the song I just did, Around Your Son, Dan plays with me, and we're going to be doing that song at the Poor House, September 15th, as part of Uncork the Mic, which is Michelle Morrow's right. uh, showcase. And we're going to be the featured act for that evening. So Excellent. if you can make it out that, uh, great to see you. And otherwise, I'm in the middle of recording things, and there will be some things going out into the world, hopefully in the very near future. Great. All right. Well, we're definitely going to have you back on at some point. That would so, be great. Uh, thanks for coming on. Drive safe. See you later. And as the shot is fading out, we're gonna. I'm gonna run over, and we're gonna see if we're actually brothers or not. <laughs> <laughs>